0: Today on AM to DM, we have the latest on the impeachment inquiry. Then I'm talking to the hilarious Dulce Sloan. We'll see you on the timeline.
1: Good morning, Twitter.
0: I'm Chantal Rochelle. She's Alex Berg, and you are
1: watching AM to DM. Here's a tweet
0: from local rapper is out now. The pettiness from Popeyes. Listen, local rapper, you're right. The pain is real. <laughs> Close
1: on Sunday, Chick-fil-A, which I'm still mad about. You need to get it together. I know it's Laura's Day, but so chicken is good all days of the week, okay? So
0: Popeye's, they, I'm excited. Yes. I'm so excited it's back because I, I haven't had a chance to get it. Me neither. So the big news here is that the Popeye's chicken sandwich that apparently ran out is now returning this Sunday. Yes. And, and I don't have it either. How do you run out of chicken? That's my question. How do you run out of chicken? You know, like the problem that really I don't want to start thinking about that too much because mm-hmm. I'm also like, how how did you run out? Yeah, are like, the chickens you okay? Because you they know, like, I know it's like ah. exactly. But I do feel like this is a chance at redemption oh, mm-hmm. for me. Yes. So you wanna explain why, Alex? I kinda I will explain why. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to try this sandwich one day and I didn't. Right. And in it was your face. right in front of me. And I, I don't really want to deeply revisit this mm-hmm. painful, bad decision mm-hmm. in my life, but I know. I know the error of my ways, and this time I won't be making that mistake okay. again. So Don't miss out there. on your joy again. Okay. I won't. Don't I miss won't. Out. Do you have plans? Are you going to go and
1: get it? I am going to get it. I tried everything. I went to seven different locations. Uber Eats. I tried everything. I tried almost the, the app where you pay someone to go wait for you because I was tired, but no, I
2: still <laughs> couldn't get it. No,
1: I, I, I got six dollar sandwich. I was like, how good is it? But everyone, everyone I've asked said it's good, so I'm definitely going to be there.
0: Do you think that you're going to have to like try all of those different ways again?
1: No, I'm not going to go. No one's line for that. I'm going to try to do Uber Eats or something. I'm not. Okay. I can't wait in line for a chicken sandwich yeah like I can't do
0: it are well, you gonna do it I I mean I feel like I do need to make up for you had to get two in now the past so, yeah exactly yeah. exactly like <laughs> I have to overcompensate for my mistakes so <laughs> anyways let's take it to the timeline now that the Popeye sandwich is back have you had it yet tweet us using the hashtag am to dm
1: Here's a tweet from the LA Times. When she left her house, Carmen Solano didn't know a brush fire had erupted near the neighborhood where she worked. When she arrived, the neighborhood lined with multi-million dollar homes was already choked with debris from the Getty fire.
0: Joining us now to talk about this story is LA Times reporter Brittany Mejia. Good morning. Morning. You broke the story and you were on the ground with the housekeepers. Can you walk us through your time with them?
3: Yeah, so I actually had been a street over when I bumped into Carmen. I was coming down and there was a lot of fire. There had been homes on that street that had burned. And so when I saw a taxi pull up, I was like, this is weird. I don't know why someone's coming to the fire area right now. Um, And then when I talked to this housekeeper, she had left her phone actually at home um, that day and the taxi had left. And so I kind of just hung around because I didn't know how she was going to leave. Um, And so in that process, like I, she found out that her, the owners weren't there. They had evacuated at 3 a.m. I ended up giving her a ride down. And then as we walked, we actually bumped into a lot of other workers um, that were either trying to head into the mandatory evacuation area or who had left the area. Wow. So you...
1: you saw a few housekeepers when you were in the area, and a lot of them missed a whole day's you know, pay of work. Have, were they able to get in touch with the employers, and what were the employers' responses to them?
3: Yeah, so that was always interesting too. Like a lot of the people I bumped into, you know, the, the their bosses didn't speak in, uh, Spanish really well, or, you know, and then the workers didn't really speak English, and so it was kind of like a, a communication barrier, because even by the afternoon, like people had been evacuated, I think around 3 a.m., um, even by the afternoon, people were still showing up, and there was a housekeeper I bumped into, who I was like, "Well, did your boss call you? Have you talked to your boss?" And she's like, "Oh no, we haven't." And she was like, "How do you text? Like, are you home?" Um, in English, and then I was like, "Oh, here." And then he, her boss, ended up calling her as we stood outside his house, and he was like, "You know, I was translating for them," and he was like, "How did you get in? Like, you know, it's a, it, I forgot I completely forgot to text you and let you know," and so most of the people I encountered had just no idea and like had come anyway. Like in some cases, people had a sense that maybe something was going on, but they never heard from their boss. So they just assumed like I should come to work.
0: This is just so wild to me because these people were evacuated at 3 a.m., presumably because uh, they had to leave because of these wildfires, um, which leads me to believe that uh, somebody didn't think it was a safe situation for people to be in these areas they just completely neglected uh, to call their housekeepers. Um, do we know, like, have the housekeepers heard if they are expected to be at work even over the next couple of days?
3: Yeah, so that's the thing. I, I know for sure that one of them, the woman I actually accompanied who stood outside the house when her boss told her he didn't need her to clean, said he was going to pay her for that day. And I'm sensing that there's no one that's going to get back in or be able to come back in. But my thought now is like, what about the workers who maybe don't come Mondays, who come later days of the week? you know have they been called because i kept seeing people still in the afternoon after hours had passed so i was like i think you know i don't know if all the residents or their bosses are remembering to call these people and tell them you know don't show up here and honestly like they find a way in because the taxi i saw it was there was no way in like i was shocked that she had managed to get in um and i think they took some kind of back route to get there and then a gardener had argued with like a LAPD to try and get his truck in so he could do gardening work at a house he works at.
0: I guess my question now is like, what should be the big takeaway about this story? Like, do uh, local officials, uh, you know, do they bear any responsibility to also be communicating um, with these workers that they shouldn't be in this area? It just, to me, it feels like there's this whole other group of people that have just about been forgotten and left behind when everyone else in what I would imagine would be an affluent neighborhood, um, you know, was warned and properly uh, got out of the area.
3: Yeah, that was what was interesting. Like, even when I talked to an LAPD officer, he was telling me, you know, I told like 10 workers they had to leave the area. Like, I didn't even, in some cases, know how they got in, why they were cutting grass when there was like ash raining down um, in this neighborhood. And that's the thing. I mean, it was surprising that they were even able to get into the neighborhood. But I think the big thing is just like, they didn't know and, you know, were just coming in blind and had no idea and what felt like. I can't afford to lose a day of work. Um, So I'm going to come anyway and driving from like an hour and a half away, fighting through traffic or taking the bus, you know, and it was interesting to me too, because when I drove one of the women down, um, one of the housekeepers, I was trying to leave and the LAPD was like, well, you can't come back in if you leave. And I was like, well, I'm just trying to help this woman get out because you know, she, you know, and it was so confusing to me, the situation, because I was just like, I don't know how most of these people in some cases are going to get home or like, make it down to the bus. Like this woman who I picked up had diabetes and could barely walk. And so I was like, she would have had to trek from the home she was in because she didn't have a phone. Um, and she, you know, had no way of getting out.
0: Yeah. Well, I too, I found it confusing, but, um, a really interesting story. So Brittany, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Here's a tweet from Amber Jamison. Katie Hill today vowed to fight revenge porn, although lawyers say the laws are a complicated mess. One advocate told me the loss of Hill's career is a more severe punishment than what any convicted distributor of
0: revenge porn will suffer. Here's a tweet from lawyer Carrie Goldberg, who's quoted in the story. This is what happens when intimate partner violence is amplified by far-right misogyny. She being driven to resign is an odious failure of the times we live in. Joining us to discuss this angle on Congresswoman Hill's resignation is BuzzFeed News reporter Amber Jamison. Good morning. Morning, guys. So Hill now wants to get justice for the nude photos of her that were leaked, but you write that this is
4: a messy and difficult process, so why is it so complicated? Basically, the main reason is that each state has different laws and there isn't this sort of unified federal, um, you know, legislation about it or, or laws about it. So what you're seeing is, you know, a lot of the photos that were taken were in Alaska. Um, Hill and her former husband live in California. She also spends a lot of time in D.C. And right now it's um, it seems to be Capitol Police in D.C. that have at least sort of, she had said that she'd reported, um, and, you know, the, the initial issue to them. And they've told BuzzFeed that they're not going to comment on, quote, ongoing investigations. Uh, So you've kind of got this mix of like, do the DC laws on revenge porn apply in this situation? Is it the California laws? And each state has different laws and different strengths to them.
1: Yeah, and you spoke with a few lawyers about cyber exploitation. What does the patchwork of this law look like around the country?
4: So for example, um, California was like one of the very first states to introduce um, any of these cyber exploitation or revenge porn laws. Um, And However, now those laws are sort of outdated and so they have to do things like which, and it's, and it's very possible that, you know, in the end it will be under California laws since that's... Uh, where they both um, live and also possibly where the photos were distributed, which seems to sort of also be one of the main things, where, where were the photos distributed? Um, and in California, you know, these laws, cyber exploitation laws, it's just a misdemeanor. It's only a $1,000 fine maximum and up to six months in jail for a first offence. Um, and while in other states, it, it can be um, a felony or of, of harsher offence. In California as well, you have to have um, a victim prove that they had suffered severe emotional distress. It's not just enough for the crime to have been committed. The victim has to, you know, really prove that they were um, suffered distress from it. So. It really kind of depends where you are and, and therefore, you know, it's as that one advocate said, it's, you know, if it goes through in California, this, you know, this person, whoever leaked them, um, right now Hill is sort of hinting that it is her, well, saying very obviously that it is her um, former husband who she says was abusive. He has not confirmed or denied that. But, you know, he, if it is him or, or if it's other um, distributors such as the publications that publish them, like, the, you know, the, 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 pro, the punishments for them are quite minor. Yeah, so you mentioned that
0: uh, the, the publications that actually publish these images, um, you know, could they face any consequences themselves? Um, what are some of the avenues uh, that I guess Hill could pursue for these laws to actually be enforced?
4: Yeah, so it's very possible that um, any publication that distributes them could also be enforced. That's one of the things that law, that the laws also don't make clear. It doesn't make clear if you're, you know, can you only um, face, um, you know, these allegations if you were the primary distributor. If you're a secondary distributor, does it count? If you distribute it on like a, through a social media site or a site like Reddit, does that count? Um, there are some laws that protect platforms, but then, you know, if you're a publisher, there are stronger laws. So it's, it can be really difficult of, of whether any publications such as the Daily Mail and Red State who published, um, uh, you know, some of these photos would be held accountable. And that really just depends on what Hill wants to push. Uh, There is also some other options. These are specifically I'm talking about the cyber exploitation or revenge porn laws. There is also like cyber stalking laws or other harassment laws. So there are other options that she could take. It really depends, obviously more than anything, one, what she wants to do and two, what authorities want to do, what law enforcement wants to do, it's they don't necessarily have a huge amount of um, you know experience in in studying cybersecurity and studying these sorts of laws. They're quite new um, across the country, so it also depends, you know, if, if law enforcement wants to push it.
0: Mm. Well, you know, I find this all so fascinating just because it seems like, uh, you know, as technology changes so quickly, mm-hmm. um, as the way people conduct themselves over technology changes, um, we're in this moment of, like, uncharted territory mm-hmm. around a, a lot of these laws. So, Amber, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, guys.
1: Coming up, I'm talking to the astro poets. But up next, Alex is reading fire tweets with comedian Dulce Sloan.
5: Can't wait.
0: Welcome back. It's time for Fire Tweets, and today I'm joined by the hilarious Dulce Sloan, a correspondent for The Daily Show and a comedian with a new stand-up special on Comedy Central. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're going to read through these tweets. You kind of can just follow my lead. I'll I'll do the first one, okay? Okay. All right. Jabuki, you tweeted, y'all got Bible verses in your bio and sin in your DMs. It's an accurate
6: statement. You think so? It's an accurate statement. Um... I know I recently had to do an IG story that just said, if you slide in my DMs, but I see you have a significant other in your profile, I'm gonna send them the copy of this DM. Good for you. Because I'm over it. Also, yeah. if another dude asks me to be a baby mom or a side chick, I'm gonna burn your house down. I'm on TV, you broke <laughs> bastard. Stop messaging me. All men, the confidence of men is amazing. It, Thank it, you it, so much. It
0: truly, it truly is something. Yes. You're selling
6: used cars in Detroit. Why are you messaging me? There You're you go. 65. <laughs> All Come right. on, dude. You could do the next tweet, so you're going to hit the
0: button.
6: All right. All right. Mr. True, you tweeted, I applied to a job with a salary of $110,000 this morning. I don't have half the skills needed for this, but neither does the President of the United States. And he has a job, so I'm hopeful. But well, he was voted in the office, though. He was. Sir, are you going to be voted into this job that you're not qualified <laughs> for? America did that. <laughs> I mean— It's true. I mean, unless the Electoral College could get him a regular job, I think he's going to have to learn some (laughs) skills. All right, next one.
0: (laughs) Daphne, you tweeted, my coworker is eating Vienna sausage out of the can, and my boss asked her if she needs more hours. I think she needs a raise. She doesn't need more hours. Maybe
6: the woman enjoys Vienna sausages. maybe she also enjoys Vienna sausages. That's a rude assumption to think that just because she's enjoying a potted meat means that (laughs) she is not doing well financially. I don't like them, but I don't... Like sausage in a can. Right. So maybe that's that lady. I don't know. I think it's gross. It's, it it's,
0: gross. Not, it's, it's, not, it's not much of my thing either, so I have to say. Okay, so this is the tweet of the day. We're going to hit the button together, but then you can read it, okay? Okay. Run, two, three.
6: All right. Let's see. Tweet of the day comes from, oh, me. Mm-hmm. Um. So this Lyft driver thought he was slick by parking up the street, turning his lights and car off, and ignoring my calls. So I walked up the street and found his ass parked, Showed him my phone, got in the car, and now he's driving me home. Unbelievable. Yeah, he thought he was smart because like it shows you where it showed me where right. he was. He literally and like it's like he's here, and I was like looking around, and I was like, well, I have a GPS location of where he is. He had literally parked in a space, turned off the lights, turned off the car, nothing, and was just sitting there, slumped down, and I walked. Excuse me. Like, take so me home, there? dog. No, it was three. Plus it was like 3.30 30 in the morning. I was like on I was like in the village somewhere. So I was like, I am out of my element. It is the middle of the night. No, dude, you're gonna take me home.
0: Okay, so you said you were in the village, and one of the things I learned from your stand-up special is that you do not like New York. No. Did this contribute to your dislike of the city?
6: No, that's just Lyft drivers in general, I'm thinking they slip. <laughs> um, sir, I know where you are. There's a satellite that told me where you were. I'm always gonna
0: find you. <laughs> I actually think that this is a tactic, like Lyft drivers and Uber drivers do this as a tactic so that we will then cancel them and we get charged with the fee. Right, that's my you, whole theory about it. They this.
6: think they slick. What you do is screenshot. So when they cancel it and try to charge you the cancellation fee, all you do is have to refute the cancellation fee, show the screenshot of where they actually were, and they always refund the feedback.
0: I'm gonna start screenshotting. This, this is very useful. You screenshot
6: for me. the call, you screenshot you calling them, you screenshot you texting them, but you have to make sure you screenshot. Because they're gonna say they were there, but Space told me that you were two blocks away. <laughs> so you always screenshot when they try to say it when they don't pick you up.
0: Well, I, I want to know. So, so since doing your comedy special, have you heard from a lot of people who share some of the similar perspectives of you, especially when it comes to like New York problems?
6: Yeah, people are like, "You're right. The police is trash and it's too cold." <laughs> like, I don't know why I've done such a brave thing. I just, it's very interesting. The amount of people that have been asking me. It's like, so like, do you really feel this way? Yeah, yeah. I didn't like. I didn't. Ch- I didn't. I didn't start the civil rights movement. Like I don't understand <laughs> why everyone is so surprised that I said I didn't like a city. It's very interesting. Also, you know this place is trash. Too many people cape for it. It's like, but because like I'll be at a show. They're like, but I'm from New York, and I go, well, I'm sorry. I don't know why. You t-? If someone tells me they don't like Atlanta, I go, okay. okay. And then we're done. (laughs) Why are people always caping for the city? Because you know it's trash. That's why.
0: Um, You also recently said on The Daily Show, you compared uh, Trump. He said he was pulling a Marvin, which
6: that came from your personal life. So can you talk about this a little bit? No, it didn't come from my personal life. It was from, like we wrote it for, it was for the piece. Mm. And so, because names had to be changed. Um, But basically it's a guy doing stuff It's when someone is trying to do things to get you to break up with them as opposed to them just breaking up with you. Mm -hmm. And so names had to be changed because, you know, confidentiality whatever, um, but that's what, that's what pulling a Marvin is, is you doing things to get someone else to break up with you.
0: Hmm. Well, sadly, we have to end the segment there. Oh, We're out of no. time. But Dulce, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really fun. Oh, thank you for having me. And Dulce Sloan's Half Hour Comedy Central Presents stand-up special is out now. Up next, we go live from the district with Paul McCloud on what to expect from today's impeachment testimony. Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter Paul McLeod. Good morning.
7: Hey, good morning.
0: Hi. Good to see ya. How are you?
7: Oh, doing terrific. I'm actually getting sick, but
1: oh, just, no. oh, I hope you feel it's better.
7: I'm gonna plug myself up with Cobb medicine and then go down and infect everyone on Capitol Hill. So oh, it'll be fine.
1: Okay, Perfect. they'll love it. Well, let's just track your sickness. Okay, <laughs> let's get into these stories. Here's a tweet from Sarah Mims. Democrats
0: will vote to formalize their impeachment inquiry and hearings will be public soon. And Kyle Griffin quotes Speaker Pelosi as saying, We are taking this step to eliminate any doubt as to whether the Trump administration may withhold documents, prevent witness testimony, disregard duly authorized subpoenas, or continue obstructing the House of Representatives. So Democrats don't actually need to vote on this. So why change course?
7: Yeah, I mean, this is much more of a political move than it is any kind of functional move. Uh, They basically, courts have already affirmed that they have the right to uh, launch an impeachment inquiry without having a formal vote. The constitution is pretty clear on that. There's nothing about needing a vote in the constitution. There's nothing about needing a formal vote in the house rules. However, by convention, it was done in the past. And this has become a main attack point of Republicans against the credibility of this impeachment inquiry. So really what this does, it has, the benefit to Democrats is it blunts one of the main attack points of Republicans, takes away a talking point that they've been using very heavily over the last several weeks.
1: Now, will all of this help the White House? You no, know, cooperate with the inquiry. Like, what does this look like for them?
7: Well, not really. I mean, as uh, you know, along those lines, uh, the White House is has been refusing to comply with the inquiry so far, and uh, they have not and they've been, they've run, they have lost court cases or you know, certainly seem clear to set to lose court cases because the House has the power of subpoena. And so I, this doesn't really change the fact that they're openly defying the will of the House of Representatives. Um, and the signals we've seen so far are that they continue to argue that this inquiry is illegitimate, that it's politically motivated. Uh, and it, it certainly looks like they're going to continue to attempt uh, to uh, block the proceedings as much as I can.
0: So how have House uh, Republicans responded uh, to news of this vote? Um, like, are they planning to storm the skiff again or, or do something like that? Uh,
7: I don't think there's... Uh, we haven't heard any plans from this. <laughs> but you can certainly never rule out anything on any given day. Mm-hmm. Uh <sighs> I mean, they they have essentially said that this was an admission of guilt by Democrats saying, look, this shows what we were right all along. And also there's still no credibility in this inquiry because it is being politically motivated. So, uh, you know, for a lot of of these Republicans, in particular, the most vehement Trump defenders, uh, this is about attacking the legitimacy of an inquiry that threatens the presidency. And, you know, there's nothing that... Schiff or Pelosi could do that is going to shake them off. That it's more some of some of the um, more moderate members in Congress, and there are fewer and fewer of them. That this could maybe play into their decision making, but certainly for you know most of Republic, most Republicans who are ardently defending the president, uh, this this is not shaking them from their position one bit. Mm.
1: Oh, not shaking, Mindy. And here's a tweet from you, Paul. Emerging from a meeting in Mitch McConnell's office, Republican Senator Roy Blunt says they're holding off for now on the motion to condemn the House impeachment process until they see what Nancy Pelosi does with Thursday's vote. So what's the mood on impeachment among Senate Republicans and are they warming up to the idea at all?
7: Yeah, Senate Republicans have been trying to walk a tricky line because they're not directly involved in this inquiry at all. And so they've essentially been trying to focus as well on the process rather than getting involved in the substance of the allegations against President Trump. There are some exceptions to that. There are a couple people, notably such as uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, who have dived in and and defended the president's actions on that phone call with the president of Ukraine. But for the most part, this has been a fixation on the process and the perceived flaws in the process. And this uh, motion to condemn the House was all part of that. This was going to be their big show of support for President Trump. The problem is that the actual articles of this motion include things like a lack of open hearings, a lack of ability of Trump's lawyers to be part of the proceedings. And of course, the proceedings are all closed door. And these are the things that Nancy Pelosi is now vowing to change. So they just are sort of stuck right now. They are putting this motion on hold, but that certainly doesn't mean they are coming around in any way, in any broader way, to impeachment of President Trump. I think at this point, they're trying to figure out what their next move. Republicans in the Senate seemed oddly flat-footed yesterday when we were asking them about this. They didn't really know what to respond, so they're taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, But certainly, I I wouldn't read too, too much into that or, or say that it's making any kind of impeachment more likely.
0: Well, on to another story about the inquiry. Here's a tweet from Politico breaking. A senior White House insider will testify that he thought Trump undermined national security when he asked Ukrainian officials to investigate political rivals. Um, Paul, what are we expecting this Army officer, Alexander Vinman, to reveal today uh, in this testimony?
7: So Colonel, Colonel Vindman was on uh, that famous July phone call. He will testify that he uh, was alarmed by what he perceived as a, a request to look into President Trump's political rival, and he says he took it up the chain uh, twice, and both times nothing really happened. He says that he essentially got froze out, was left out of meetings and trips that he had he would otherwise expect to be on. This is this is important because we recall that the whistleblower. Though much of the complaint has been corroborated now, uh, it is an anonymous complaint, uh, much of the information is second-hand. If you want to have any kind of impeachment vote that is successful if you're a Democrat, uh, you need some first-hand witnesses, and this is a big step. This is really the first main witness who was on the phone call who is coming out and personally corroborating a lot of what was in that whistleblower complaint. Mm.
1: Uh, and Paul Vindman is active duty and currently still working in the White House. Can he expect any consequences from any of this? I mean, he's still there.
7: Yeah, well, you're not supposed to be able to have any kind of retaliation for this. I mean, he's legally obligated to uh, go testify before the House. But this is one of the questions underlying this whole thing, you know, where there are reports that the White House has been trying to get the name of the original whistleblower out there. And certainly there is a perception, I think, that people who stand step out against this White House will be punished. Um, now, that's we're a little early on that; that has not happened yet. Maybe nothing will happen in this case too. Uh, but if things if things get really bad for President Trump, and it looks like there's a realistic chance that he could be removed from office, that is going to hinge on. White House officials coming forward and speaking publicly, and as we've seen, the White House is doing everything in its power to try to prevent that from happening, uh, directing people not to comply with the investigation. Uh, The question is whether they would take that next step and start actually uh, retaliating against people who comply with this inquiry. We don't know yet, but that's certainly one road I would not be shocked if we, we see our country going down.
1: Well, we are definitely going to stay tuned for this testimony yes. as the story develops. Paul, thanks so much for joining us.
7: Okay, great talking with you. Cheers.
0: Coming up, Chantal is talking to the Astro Poets. Stick around.
1: Here's a tweet from Mae Kelly. It freaks me out sometimes how spot-on astropoets are with their horoscopes. And here's a tweet from Maybe Maeve. How did Astropoets with mimic what my therapist says to me weekly? <laughs> here with me now to discuss their new book, Astropoets, Your Guide to the Zodiac, are authors and masterminds behind the viral Twitter account, Alex Dimitrov and Dorothea Lasky. <laughs> Hi! Everybody. How's it going? How are you? How are you? Hey, welcome. Good so I want to dig right in. You guys have such a massive, massive following. How did you two meet and how did Astro Poets come to life?
5: Mm. Well, we met. I think it was 2011. We met at a party, um, and you know, Alex came up to me and he said, "I'm a Sagittarius," and I said, "I'm an Aries," and I knew then it was gonna mm-hmm. be just really wonderful from the get-go. So yeah, we just we started talking about astrology and you know, lots of different things we have in common, like we're from the Midwest and we're poets. We're <laughs> poets. Yeah, I leave that <laughs> out. Yeah, we're poets, and um, yeah, so we just kind of hit it off from the first minute. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. And, oh, and we started the Twitter. Yeah. We
2: started it, I think, November 2016. Mm. Kind of, we were, uh, we were bored one night and we were sort of like, should we start an astrology Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've always talked about starting an astrology Twitter and we always talk about astrology. And so it just seemed sort of the thing to do. Yeah.
1: And, you guys, your Twitter account just blew up. Like
2: it's viral, <laughs> half a million followers on Twitter. Yeah, we're kind of shocked. I mean, you have so can have. We'll,
5: okay, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you. We'll give you some. You have like, <laughs> hundred. have okay. too many, but You can have a hundred thousand. Thank, thank you. I, I have two hundred. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever <laughs> when, you want. <laughs>
1: when you saw this huge following, when you got to half a million, what was that reaction like? And when you saw this huge following you had, what did that make you think your work was doing to your for your body? Well, audience?
2: we're just super grateful. I think that people mm-hmm. are reading us and are sort of entertained by us and hopefully uh, uplifted. um, And, you know, we live in such a fraught time right now that I think that we really want to bring poetry to people and astrology to people and really just Uplift people.
5: Yeah, I think we're both only children, and I think both of us felt a lot of loneliness growing up, and then like a lot of um, impetus as adults to like help people that are lonely. And so I think that like we didn't intend to have like a Twitter account and go into people's lives and you know homes and their phones basically and like be with them and provide them companionship and give them poetry and astrology. But once we saw we could, I think it was hard, it's been hard to stop because we like you know (laughs) want to be there and be friends for people. And Alex, you recently mentioned an article
1: how like poetry is important and what made you, both of you want to really infuse the two worlds of poetry and astrology? Why was it important for you to make sure Mm. poetry had its its voice as well?
2: Mm. Yeah, well, I think that both of us have always talked about the fact that we want poetry to be as mainstream as Mm -hmm. possible. We want everybody to have access to poetry. That's really important to us. I mean, growing up, poetry was taught to me in school as this very sort of, archaic thing that's like symbolic and I think that people, everybody has the ability to read poetry and enjoy poetry and that was something that we really wanted to marry with astrology because um, it was sort of, like I say in the article, it's sort of a gateway drug <laughs> to poetry. Yeah. We want poetry. I love to sort that. that's a like, gateway drug. Yeah. Yes, that yeah, exactly. I just got poetry
1: in my face. I like that. Yeah, yeah
5: it, it is a good drug. Yeah. yeah. It,
1: it's really good. It, and <laughs> so when you're reading poetry and you're inspired and you see all of these people really gravitating towards your work, where does that inspiration come from from you? How do you keep being in, in, innovative and being creative as possible?
5: Yeah, I think that we just, we love the idea that we're entertaining people and that kind of spark like helps us think of new jokes, new scenarios and I think it's like been a gift that we've had the Zodiac to draw from um, because in the Zodiac you know there's like a cast of characters, there's archetypes you know that are kind of just really um, uh, both specific and broad you know and that people really can relate to and that like when you really look at it really do represent you know human emotions and behaviors and so I think that keeps us like motivated and inspired because there there's always like a good joke or a good poem that relates to one of the signs. Yeah, absolutely. And now
1: y'all have a podcast. Yeah. So
5: what's it been like
1: stepping from, you know, you know, Having the viewers connect with your voice and get behind that curtain and get to know you two on a better level.
2: Mm. Well, it's been weird because I hate my voice, <laughs> but it's been an experience certainly yeah. to do it. It's just like the strangest thing recording in this dark room and then knowing that, like, you know, 10,000 people or however many people are listening. It kind of feels like writing poetry in a way yeah. because you never think anyone's going to read it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We some, I think I myself, like, I'll say things and I'm like, wait, that's like uh, now yeah. being recorded. Yeah. Be like, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's just because I'm like nobody's listening to this I'm just in a room with him and you know one other person so that's been really weird that uh-huh. was definitely you know, it's been a wild ride and you're going to be more in front of people because you have an event at Strand <laughs> we yes. do okay. tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow, yes. tomorrow night 10. 7 so, still wow. tickets available I'm okay. yeah. 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 okay. I mean I'm not sure I don't know we sold out <laughs> so, we'll what figure you like? in I still have a comp ticket for everyone okay. out there can you hook a girl up yeah. <laughs> yes, Okay. of course okay, cool. Yeah. okay so okay. what is that like having a live
1: event and you're not okay, just so, behind yes memes in a Twitter account. Yes. You're in front of people's faces.
2: Well, we love it actually and it's something that we're very used to. I think as poets, we've been giving readings for a very long time. I actually prefer being in front of people rather than behind a microphone or like behind like the internet because there's something about like the immediate connection with readers and I think we're really, we really want to meet people and talk to them and sort of Say thank you for following our Twitter for three years now.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's just really nice to be. I mean, Twitter is has its good moments, its bad moments. It's really fun, but it's sure like has its bad moments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful just to talk to people because then you can really like talk to them, and it's like human to human. And yeah, we, that's why we love to give poetry readings and do. You know, we're gonna love doing readings from the book. Oh,
1: amazing! Well, Dorothea <laughs> and Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank thanks you for fusing so astrology and poetry together. <laughs> thanks I'm for having us. Being here, of course. <laughs> thank you. All right, y'all. Make sure you get Astro Poets, your guide to the zodiac. It's available now. Make sure to check out Astro Poets at the Strand and NYC tomorrow, y'all.
8: Finding time to cook and eat healthy can be a challenge for any working adult. This is Fuel Your Go, presented by the all new 2020 Nissan Versa to help you prepare for anything. And today, I'm joined by writer Tara Sheffy, who has some meal hacks to keep you nourished. Good morning.
9: Hi, good morning. Good
8: morning. So Tara, I got some big questions for you. I live a busy life with two full-time jobs and I love to cook, but I struggle to find time. What do you think is the best solution when it comes to my daily nutrition?
9: Yeah, this is why meal prepping is so amazing. Everybody is so busy. So when you're planning your meals ahead of time, when you're prepping them ahead of time, when you have some time on the weekends or on a day when you're not so busy, um, you're going to have everything ready for the week. It's going to be so much easier to eat those fresh, healthy foods that you want to eat. And because you're planning everything ahead of time, it's going to save you a lot of money too because you're going to know exactly what you need from the grocery store and you're not just going to be walking down the aisles throwing random things in your cart.
8: Okay. Well, when would be the best day for me to do this meal prepping? You say that it's going to save me money, but when will I find the time and when is the most opportune time to do that?
9: Yeah, that's the trickiest part because everybody's schedule is very different. But if you have a more traditional Monday to Friday schedule, just taking a little time on the weekends and it doesn't have to be, you know, four or five hours in the kitchen, you can keep it really simple and there's recipes um, you can spend, you know, one or two hours in the kitchen. So whether you have those free days on Saturday or Sunday, or if you have another day off, or even just a day where you get home a little bit early and can take an hour in the kitchen, turn on some music or a podcast, you can really knock a lot of stuff out.
8: All right. So what are some recipes that you would suggest for morning meals since breakfast is so important for us growing boys? Yes. (laughs)
9: So I think one of the easiest things, because there's no cooking involved, is to do smoothies. So if you want to get everything ready ahead of time and work this into your meal prep, all you need to do is take whatever fruits and vegetables you want to use. So if you're doing Banana, strawberry, you could do strawberries, bananas, and spinach. Chop everything up so it's uh, nice and small so it'll blend up well. You can put it into a freezer bag and freeze that until you're ready to use it. And then you just pour that into the blender with your milk, some peanut butter or protein powder, um, and then you're ready to go. Um, I also love to do big casseroles. So um, one that we make a lot is a taco breakfast casserole. So you do it in a big nine by 12 dish and that way you're just cooking once and depending on how many people you're feeding, um, you've got this mix of taco meat, eggs, uh, throw in some vegetables you like, you can serve it with salsa and avocado and then that can make six, eight servings that could potentially last all week.
8: Wow, delicious. Well, Mm -hmm. how can meal prepping help you stay healthy at work when it's time for lunch and you're surrounded by all the takeout?
9: Oh, yeah. There's always lots of treats at work. Um, So when you have put in that time and the money ahead of time, that's really a lot of motivation. You don't want to let that go to waste, first of all. Um, But also just when there are things that are tempting you, if you know that, you know, down the hall in the kitchen, you've got this healthy meal that you prepared that's going to help you feel energized and ready for the rest of the day. It's going to be a lot easier to say no and stick with the food that you already bought because you did spend your own money and your own time and energy on it. And nobody wants that to go to waste.
8: For sure. You don't want to waste food or money. Well, I keep thinking right now about your breakfast casserole, but I have to ask what are some lunch recommendations you could give me
9: today? Yeah. So I love using the slow cooker because even though there is cooking involved, All you have to do is prep the ingredients and get them in the slow cooker. So you don't, you're not going to have to manage it the whole time. So that's something that even if you don't have a lot of time for meal prep, you can put something in the slow cooker in the morning before you go to work. And then it'll be ready when you come home. And they're big enough that you can have, you know, six, eight servings, um, for your lunches for the week. So I like to do, um, I'll do a Moroccan beef stew, which you can take the beef out and make a vegetarian version. But it has carrots. It has chickpeas. It's got um, chopped up stew meat um, and then just a really lot of yummy spices. And I put in some dried apricots at the end. And that's so good. And it reheats really well. Um, And then also a Cuban pork roast. So something like this, you're just mostly focusing on the meat and just getting... um, a lot of servings of a really good protein that has a lot of flavor and then you can mix it up different ways. You could use that for tacos. One day you can put it on top of a salad or on top of rice or cauliflower rice. So that way you're not eating the same thing all week, but you've still done most of the work ahead of time.
8: Mm, Amazing. Well, dinner can be equally as challenging when you get home from work. What are some great recipes that you can prep for that?
9: Yeah. So one that we do a lot because I have a trick that I do when I use this one. So um, a meatloaf, which uh, there's tons of different ways you can do it, different meats and different flavor profiles. But what I like to do is double the recipe. So I'll make one meatloaf and we'll eat that for dinner. While we're eating, you've can you got the pan emptied out. You can put a second one into the oven. And then when you're ready to... You need some meals for later. um, What I like to do is you let it cool down all the way, wrap it up really good in some foil or if you have butcher paper, uh, and then put that in a freezer bag and you can just store that one in the freezer. And then you have not just the meatloaf that you made, which you'll probably have leftovers for. Uh, you'll have a whole other set of meals that are in the freezer and ready to go. need them.
8: Oh my God. Amazing. I feel so much smarter, Tara. Thank you so much <laughs> for being here today and helping me be a better person. <laughs>
9: Oh,
8: anytime. You can find these great recipes and more in Tara's The Four Weeks to Wellness Cookbook. Stay tuned for more Antidiom.
0: Sinev Mac, you tweeted, Just discovered this incredible woman, Celeste Barber, today, and can I just say that I love her? Well, we love Celeste too, and she joins me now to talk about her new comedy special, Challenge Accepted. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm great, great to see you. Yeah, nice to see you um, too. You already have me cracking up, and Excellent. I just have
10: to say, congratulations on this new special. Yeah, thank you. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm pretty exciting. Mean, although I am pretty sick of myself, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm everywhere at the moment, and I'm over it, so I can only imagine how other people feel. Well, the, I mean, clearly the people want more of you. They've hopefully, more that's, yeah. yeah, that's the plan. That's yeah. the plan, because I'm not slowing down, so hopefully, people are still into well and I
0: don't that, want to keep talking about this special without giving our viewers a little bit of a sense okay. of it so let's take a look at a clip.
10: And now when it's done on Instagram it's a profession called being an influencer which if you ask me is just a series of really attractive people constantly looking for shit they've dropped. Where'd it go? <laughs> Oh, that was mean. <laughs> That was main spots. Here I am in stripes. You know, I, I love I love a good pattern, but
0: um so the special is it's named after your viral hashtag um, Celeste Challenge Accepted. Uh-huh. And for folks who might not know, these are the photos where you parody celebs and influencers models.
10: Um what made you want to turn that into an entire comedy special? Well, I like, um I wanted to make money off it <laughs> because you don't make money off Instagram, it seems. Um, but I also had more to say on the issue of, like, social media and kind of that whole world and the celebrity culture. So I kind of wanted to, yeah, I had more to say about it. I wanted to get it on stage and just tour, really. Just mm. want And I thought, well, if everyone knows me from that, mm, I may as well yeah. move it over. It's also lazy <laughs> just <laughs> be like you just going to go on, on stage and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but some people think in that show, because it's named after this, my account, that I just come on stage and just get dressed in different costumes and dress up as different celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't reckon Showtime are giving me a special to do that, mate, so... Well,
0: how did you come up, how did you decide what to translate from what you do on Instagram onto the stage?
10: Well... I didn't. I just knew whenever I would talk about like specific photos or whatever that I'd posted, they, a lot of them are, are quite funny stories behind it and yeah. people would always enjoy it. So I thought that was a good way to get it on stage. And I also had get, sent some pretty amazing messages, like private messages on my account. So I thought, what better way to get more followers and exploit them, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I have a little section of the show called He Said, She Said where I put up a series of um, comments and people have to call out if it's come from a man or a lady. And it's quite fun and interesting, I I must say. I can only imagine. That's usually the part of the show where the ten men in my audience go, oh, I'm not going to get some drinks. And they, yeah, they run.
0: Um, I mean, do you find that like, is it that women will send you more like affirming? Oh, know, I, kind of yeah, yeah. And then men just send stuff that's like really pervy. or like, Yeah, well, not weird. all men,
10: obviously. But women are obviously the tits. I love them. They're, they're my yeah. jam. And drunk mums are my audience. Oh. So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's so good. But, um... A majority, yeah, of the time, I sometimes get messages from men who are quite furious that I'm not actually doing porn mm. and they don't understand why and mm. why I won't respond to them. I'm like, I will in a special <laughs> for Showtime. <laughs> in this, in this way, just keep watching yeah. it.
0: Well, so you now have over six million followers. Um, and, but you still say that you're kind of an anti-influencer. Yeah, So, so how did you
10: come into that perspective? Well, I'm, I'm not an influencer in any sense of the word. Like, I'm really full on about kind of distancing myself from that. I'm a comedian and an actor, and I happen to use the platform of Instagram to become really famous. So <laughs> I don't I, I don't want to at all be an influencer. And I can't sell shit either. Like, <laughs> I mean, I can sell tickets to my shows and I can sell books, but I have merchandise that I... Those are also, like, very good things. Yeah, but that's but that's not influencer stuff. That's talented. Do you know what I mean? You're
0: like that took development, a career.
10: Seriously. And it takes more than just going, buy this. I mean, I tried to do that once. I have a ton of merchandise that I tried to sell that is still under my house. I couldn't sell it. Oh my no, gosh. Yeah.
0: You know, these days, I don't even know, like the word influencer has even lost meaning to me. Like I'm not even sure what, yeah. what it means or like. Nothing. What, what, yeah. In,
10: influenza. That's what I call yeah. it. The so influenzas. Oh well, well, great, I'm a bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me a little bit about how you pick the photos that you recreate. I also saw that um, you like just posted a video of this incredible ballet dance that was oh, happening. Yeah. Yeah. She's
10: incredible, that girl. She is incredible, yeah. She's unbelievable. Yeah, Yella Bella, I think her name is. She mm. does, yeah, she's amazing. I don't, I just kind of um, try to pick, I'm just looking at myself now on the screen going, oh, that's actually a really funny photo. <laughs> it's of me. Um, I just, whatever I think that I will recreate to make that, wow, word power, whatever I think will be funny, Yeah. I do. So I get sent a lot, I mean, like, th- freaking thousands of people go, do this, do this, do this, do this. But I don't always do the most popular ones. Yeah. Like if it's timely, like for example, when Beyonce, you know, announced she was pregnant or with the twins, I, I did that. I yeah. jumped onto that. But other ones, I just think, you know, the idea of me doing what they're doing and adding a little something to it, if that's just funny, then that, that's what I kind then of go for. Go for it.
0: Yeah. Well, I do want to ask you about one of the more notable responses that you got from a celebrity. I'm sure you know where this is going. Yeah. Um, it came from Kourtney Kardashian. Who? Uh, yes. You know, you might've heard of her Kourtney Kardashian. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and when you posted uh, an Instagram photo with the caption "When you're flat out trying to keep the world interested in your talent," and she said, "When you've got so much talent, might as well share it." Do you think did she take this too seriously?
10: Was she misunderstood? Do you think, was she game no, about this one? She was fine. She then, she was really fine. I think she got the joke. I think she was in yeah. on it. I don't, people love that. They were like, oh, it's a clap back. I was like, was it? No, it's fine. I don't, I, I, I didn't even see the comment until someone sent it to me. And no, it's I, I don't mind. People are allowed to think whatever yeah. they want about it. If she doesn't like it, well, I, I don't know if I'd love it if I was her. <laughs> but she, I thought she was a really good sport about it. Um, well,
0: it seems like celebrities actually, like, they too are very entertained by this. And, yeah. Because and, I know that you also, like, you You talk to a lot of people on your podcast. Yeah. Um, you've even, like, uh, I think Jamila Jamil interviewed you for your book. Yeah. Um, does it get more complicated to start to do these kinds of photos once you actually have relationships with people? Nope.
10: No, doesn't get complicated <laughs> at all. I, I, I don't, I mean, I care, obviously, and I appreciate their support because let's be honest, that really could have gone either way. That could have gone to them. You know, Christiana could still shut it down in one foul swoop, let's be honest. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Chris. But um, I'm very grateful that they like it and that they're across it. I was at a. The Nick's the last night, and one of the models who I parodied was there, and she came up to me, and we were in a lift, and she came up to me. She was like, "Hi, um, you did one of my photos," and I was like, "Are you going to punch me in this lift?" <laughs> I was terrified, but she was so lovely. She was such a good sport. So oh, people really? have a sense yeah. of humour.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you have the special coming out. Yes. Um, you said you
10: just finished your tour. Yes. Um, what else are you working on? Sleeping. Uh, amen. Sleeping and good eating and a fair bit of wine at the moment. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. No bit of tv shows a few other things going on so bit of tv shows that's not going to be the name of it because it's not a proper sentence
0: <laughs> I, I understood yeah. what you were trying thank to you say. thank so, you well listen this has been really fun i yeah, can't wait to see the so tv shows or whatever it is that you have <laughs> coming up so thank you so much for joining me thanks so much darling and oh, challenge Sorry. accepted premieres this friday night on showtime up next chantal and i read some of your tweets Welcome back. That was a very fun show. It was fun. Can yeah. talk with some those
1: heavy hitters? It was fun. Yeah, that's right. Astro
0: Poet, Dulce, it's
1: hilarious. It was
0: so good. Yeah, one Great of my show. favorite parts when Celeste was talking about her audience was that she said, like, the moms who drink wine. And I was like, say no more. I know exactly it's who you're it. talking about. Yes, great audience, hilarious. Like yeah. that was so fun. That was a good interview. Thank you. That was Really good. Actually, I'm a little sad because this is your second day and last day for now. Until next time, friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really fun. It's been real, Alex. We'll to have you back. All right. All right yes, like I'm bring girl back sometime. Yes, All right. Please. Thank you
1: to our guests: Amber Jamison, Paul McCloud, Brittany Mejia, Dolce Sloan, Alex
0: Dimitrov, Dorothy Lassie, and Celeste Barber. I'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. And BuzzFeed Stephanie McNeil will be co-hosting. Have a great rest of your day.